0: Well, how are we doing at 7 o'clock? Twelve of you are chipper. That's good. That's good. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, If this is your first time with us or first time back in a while, uh, so glad that you guys are here. Uh, It's good to share the evening with you. My name is Chad Kintzer. I serve as leader and director of our college ministry and part of our preaching team. And as always, I I love getting to be with you guys. And so I hope you had a good Christmas. Hope you had a good time celebrating with friends and family wherever you did that. And if you're uh, back now in Austin, welcome home. I I just spent time in Oklahoma as well with my family uh, and glad to be back in the ATX, live in the dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, it's the 7 o'clock service I've been preaching all day, so there's no telling what's going to happen, right? Um, and so, hey listen, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we've been uh, preaching through our Advent series, sort of leading us through the Christmas season, thinking about the coming of Jesus, called the True and Better. Jesus, the True and Better. We've been talking about uh, the way that all of the Bible points to Jesus, Um, And the fact that he fulfills all the promises that God brought to us from the very beginning when sin entered into the world, right? And we've been doing that by looking at several Old Testament leaders, uh, Adam and Abraham and Moses. Uh, We've been looking at them in the way that Jesus completes their ministry. And so what I want to do tonight um, is sort of wrap up everything we've been talking about. I want to bring this series to a close. We're not moving on uh, from true and better just yet. Tonight I want to bring this thing to a close and really pull together everything we've been talking about over the last three weeks. And what I want to do is just as we're facing a new year, I want us to give um I want to give us some direction and things to consider uh as twenty fifteen is upon us, right? And so if you've got a Bible tonight, open up to Second Peter uh chapter one. 2 Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to be tonight. We're going to look at just one verse, a single verse that's going to sort of govern our time together. Uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen behind me. Um, But I want us to begin uh, our time together by reading this verse, establish our time by reading this verse, uh, and then we'll just jump in from there. Sound good? Okay. All right, let's do it. Uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, the word of Christ speaks to us like this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Well, many of us this time of year are joining with millions of other people around the world, aren't we? We're in this sort of time between the times between Christmas and New Year's, and we're in these days thinking about what we want to be different in the coming year what we want to be different, right? About about ourselves, what we want to be different about our career or careers or, or the various relationships we're a part of. It's this time of year that has us thinking in a fresh way about a resolve in the new year, resolutions. Now, even if you're not into resolutions and, and some of you are like, I'm into that, I'm not into that, whatever, there's debate we can have later. But, but I think all of us can recognize that there are things in our life that we see and that we know about that are there ...that we want to change or that we know that they need to change. They don't need consideration. They're probably pretty obvious to us. Like, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. Or, I probably should take a step in this area of my life. And, and maybe some of these areas of change are on lockdown for you. There, there are plans to see these things happen. But we're not there yet, are we? Like, we're in this time between the times, between Christmas and New Year's. And so, even though there's some areas of our life that we want to change, know that we need to change... Like, let's not get in a hurry with all these changes. Like, we're not there yet, and so let's live it up while we can, right? Let's live it up in these few days we have left before we're really going to buckle down in a certain few areas of our life. And this is certainly your mentality if one of your goals for the new year is to start eating better uh, and shed a few pounds. And so if you're like me, there's been some point over the past few days hanging with family, or maybe you've made your own Christmas treats at home uh, and you've walked into the kitchen, and you've seen that, that plate of cookies there, and you thought, no, I shouldn't. Uh, it's just one more cookie, right? It's one more. It can't hurt me all that bad. But for me, my weakness, my biggest weakness, isn't the plate of cookies. It's, it's those candied pecans. You know what I'm talking about? Those German roasted pecans? And so for me, it's walking in the kitchen and going, oh, it's just one more bag. Like, it's just one more bag of candied pecans. It's not going to set me back all that much. I'm going to work out, right? Work it off. That's my weakness. But but it's true that this time of year has us thinking about what's ahead. It has us thinking about what is to come, or at least what we want to come, doesn't it? And so I thought while we're all in this sort of mindset together, while we're all kind of here thinking about the same same things, I thought I would take tonight and just talk about what would it look like for us to have a, a resolve in our life toward God this coming year. What would it look like for us to have a resolve, a resolution in our life toward Christ in the coming year? Theologian Jonathan Edwards says, I've resolved as long as I'm alive to live resolved for God. And so it's true. That our resolutions, they have this unique ability to actually expose to us, reveal to us, what it is that we value. I don't know if you've ever thought about resolutions this way, but they do. They have a unique ability to expose what it is that you value, what it is that you're concerned about, what it is that you're insecure about even. Thus, the reason you want to make the change. And so think about this with me. If what's dominating your thoughts is maybe shedding a few pounds, or saving a little bit of money this year, or doing a little traveling, if those are the things that are dominating your thoughts, fine as they are, they're, they're not sinful or evil, but if those are the things dominating your thoughts, then what does that say about us? What does that say about the kind of people we are? What does that say about what we value, Right? like if it's those things that are driving your thinking, if it's those things that are consuming all your strategy and energy is how can I get that thing, then I think it would do well for us to stop and ask the question, what are we really trusting in for our hope? What are we really trusting in for our joy? What are we really trusting in for our stability and our security? If it's these things that are dominating what we're thinking about, and if I can just get there, then what are we really worshiping? You see, none of us stumble into godliness, right? Like none of us just accidentally like fall into obedience to Jesus. That that doesn't happen. Those are kinds of things that that require a grace-driven resolve for us. And so to think deeply about how I'd want to grow in Christ in the coming year, to think deeply and have a discipline of where I would want to take strides in the coming year is well worth our time. And so I just want to put my cards on the table. Here's where we're headed tonight. Here's my hope. We've been talking about Jesus, the true and better. And tonight I want to show you very practically that that's more than just pastor speak. Like that's more than just church talk. That's more than just a warm little Advent series for us to talk about Jesus, the true and better. Jesus, the true and better actually has everything to do with the everyday details of our lives. And it has everything to do with the everyday of 2015. Regardless of what your resolutions are, it has everything to do with weight loss, saving money, doing more traveling, making more friends. It has everything to do with the details of our lives. And this is exactly what Peter is writing to us about. You see, Peter is writing here to remind us that the grace that we've received in Jesus actually carries with it the power to change us. It actually carries with it the power to transform us, to make us different people. The transforming power of Jesus actually carries with it a resolve that is bigger than suffering, a resolve that is bigger than circumstances, and a resolve that's bigger than anything that may come our way. Right. And so I want us to notice what it says in verse 3, because Peter's going to come out of the gates and make a pretty big statement here to us. And so notice what he says in verse 3. He says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Did you hear what Peter just said? You see, Peter starts into the meat of this letter and he does so and he makes a sweeping statement. What Peter says here has massive implications on how you and I are to understand and to see all of life. Peter starts in and he says that God has given to us everything we need. Or as it says here, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So from the very beginning tonight, wherever you're coming from, however you're walking into the room, whatever's going on in your life and whatever you feel about your life... The scriptures are coming forward to tell us that for those who are submitted to Jesus, tonight if you've submitted your life to Jesus, what this passage is telling us is that right now as you hear the sound of my voice, you have in your possession everything you need for life and godliness. Regardless of what you think about your life, regardless of your circumstances, the scriptures are coming forward to say this is true this is true for you right now, and it's true for you wherever life will take you in the coming year. I love that Peter starts this way because he's trying to get us to see just how uh, completely and just the sufficiency of the way that God has cared for us and the way he's provided for us. So, so when Peter mentions here life and godliness, it's not as though these are two separate buckets for him. Uh, these aren't two different categories. So, so life, when he says life here, what he means is the real stuff of life. The life that you and I live every single day. And that has everything to do with godliness. Because it's in the thick of real life that real godliness shows up. And so when Peter mentions here life and godliness, these two things are linked together. He's showing us just how holistically God has provided for us. But he's also doing something else here. When he mentions it this way, he's trying to remove from us any ammunition that you and I would have to put an asterisk by this verse. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's a temptation for you and I to read a verse like this. And though we wouldn't say it out loud, we've we've done church and we've played the game too long, we know you can't say these things, although you can, we just we're afraid to we think, we read a verse like this, and some of you are doing it now, and you won't say it out loud, but you've thought it in your mind. There's got to be something of an asterisk here. And you start saying, everything? Really everything? He's provided everything that I need? Because I feel really lonely right now. So not everything for all of life. I feel the pain of loneliness. Okay, everything that I need, really everything, because things are really difficult at home with my family and relationships. doesn't seem I have everything I need. Others of you, you swing the pendulum the other way. And if for you, you go, oh, life is taken care of. I get that. God can take care of my life. But for you, the asterisk comes on godliness. Surely God hasn't covered all of my godliness Because it seems to me that he's still waiting on me to prove myself in some areas. It seems to me that he's still waiting for me to show that I'm really committed to Jesus for him to accept me and approve of me. Because often I feel that God isn't totally pleased with me. So surely all of my godliness can't be covered. Isn't this what we do? We'll come to a passage like this and we'll go, that seems too good to be true. I want to believe all that, but, but surely the Bible can't mean what it's saying here. But maybe you're coming into the room and you, and you go, no, I, I believe that. It's there, I see it, That's clear, I believe that. But maybe all of us could come around the fact that isn't it rare that you and I live with a sense that this verse is true? Isn't it rare that, for you that, that you live with a sense and a confidence that you're totally covered, that you're totally provided for, that there's an endless well of resource at your disposal? I think we'd all admit that that's pretty rare. Even if you believe this, your, your sense is, I've got to grasp for stuff. I, I don't feel like I have everything all the time. I know that's true in my life. And so then we've got a problem, don't we? We've got a problem either with what the Bible is saying or with ourselves. You see, our problem is either that maybe the Bible, what it's saying isn't true, or that you and I don't tend to value what God has provided in the way that he's provided it. So the holiday season brings about a lot of joy, doesn't it? But it also has a way of exposing in us these feelings of lack and these feelings of deficiency. With all the commercialism and all the marketing, you can start to feel like you need stuff and you don't have stuff and so your life isn't complete unless you get the stuff. So my wife and I have taken our girls out to to go look at Christmas lights through the neighborhoods and we'll go in these different neighborhoods with big houses and beautiful lights and we'll start talking about, man, it sure would be nice to live in a place like that someday. We start talking about, man, it would be nice to have a bigger house or a nicer house or what if we had some of that kind of stuff and nicer stuff and then we're reminded, oh yeah, we can't have nice things because we have toddlers, you know. But we start talking about these things, and and we start dreaming of a scenario, and we start telling a narrative, and here's what I've noticed as we start talking about it. It's as though we start talking about having a nicer house, or nicer stuff, or more stuff, and we talk about it in a way as though if we had it, we would be happier. Maybe for you, it's, man, if I could just lose some weight, then I'd feel better about myself, and I wouldn't be so insecure. If I could just travel more and see more of the world, then, then maybe I would be happier and maybe I would have more rest and I wouldn't be so stressed out all the time. You see, if we're not careful, we can get into this mentality that if we're ever going to have our desires met or our longings satisfied, then we're going to need to grab for all that we can and provide for ourselves and look to ourselves because no one else is going to do it for us. So we'll seek more money, better relationships, more influence, despite the fact that we know that that's not how it works. Like, here's an example. Everyone in the room has, like, the stuff you have now, you haven't always had it, Right? Like, there was a time when you thought, if I could just have that stuff, if I could just get there, then I would be happy. If I could just have a relationship like that, if I could have a job like that, if I could have a family like that, then I would be happy. Then I would have security. But now we find ourselves here, and for some of you, you have everything that you thought you wanted, and others of you, you have some of what you thought you wanted, but we find ourselves here, and we're not satisfied as we thought we would be. Or in some cases, we're not satisfied at all. Right? And so Jesus says it this way. In Luke chapter 12, he says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That's like a jealous desire or an envy. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions one's life does not consist in the abundance of what he can provide for himself. And so it's true that if you and I are going to need going to have our needs met and all of our needs for life and godliness in a way that matters, if that's going to happen then what you and I are going to need to do is look outside of ourselves. We're going to, need to look outside of ourselves to the one who has no lack and who has no deficiency. And this is why Peter starts the verse and he says this... ...that these things are coming to us only through... ...verse 3 begins with divine power. He says divine power has granted to us everything we need for life and godliness. So this isn't coming from our own strength. God's not waiting for you to figure life out. God's not waiting for you to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. What this passage is saying, cue into this... ...that if you're here tonight and you're united to Jesus... You're walking with Jesus by faith. If that's true for you tonight, what this passage is saying is that the incomparable divine power of God is working toward you only and always for your absolute good. You hear that? The divine incomparable power of God for those united to Jesus is working toward you only and always for your absolute good. That doesn't mean you'll always have life figured out. That doesn't mean you'll always go your way. But you know that's what's behind everything that's happening in your life. God is for you. So you and I can't achieve godliness on our own. God works that for us. That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus was all about. God works godliness for us. You and I can't work life for ourselves. There's all kinds of situations where you don't know what to do and you're stuck in between decisions. And you and I don't even have our next breath unless God grants it to us. He's given us all of life. And so from the very beginning, Peter is holding out to us that regardless of what's going on in your life and regardless of what you feel, let's at least begin with what the Bible says is true. That if you're connected to Jesus, you have everything you could ever possibly need for life and all of its practical demands. If you're connected to Jesus, you have everything that you could ever possibly need for godliness and a life that pleases God. You have everything you need for a life that pleases God. And divine power has given you this. But the passage moves on. The passage doesn't stop here. Because what you and I need tonight isn't just a heads up. It's not just a notice. Hey, you've been provided for. You're covered. That's certainly nice. But what you and I need isn't just another reminder that God's got you taken care of. What you and I need is is a practical and tangible understanding of how can I grow so that this is not just an ethereal thought about God out there, but how can I understand this in a way that I live with a confidence and an awareness and a reality where I see God in a way that he has covered me. That's what you and I need. How can I grow in an awareness of this? And the end of verse three speaks to this. So let's look at it again. I'll read the whole verse to give us a running start. He says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And here it is. How do we attach ourselves to that? How do we become aware of that? Through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us according to his own glory and excellence. So the way that you and I come to see just how God has provided for us in life and godliness is through our knowledge of Jesus. So what this text is saying... Is the degree to which you follow Jesus, the degree to which you seek Jesus, the degree to which you seek to get to know Jesus is directly connected to your sense of confidence that God has and will provide for you. The degree to which you seek Jesus is directly connected to your sense of confidence that God has and will provide for you. Now, this is huge. And stay with me here, because what this text is not saying, it's not saying that the more you know about Jesus, the more you'll be provided for. It's not saying that. You're already completely provided for because of what Christ has done for you. It's not saying more knowledge, more provision. But what it is saying is the more you seek to pursue Jesus, to submit to the word of Jesus, to submit to the authority of Jesus in your prayers then the more you'll come to see just how wildly and overwhelmingly God has provided for you. You say, why is that? How is that the case? How is it that the more I get to know Jesus, the more I see how much God has provided for me? How are those two things connected? Well, think of it like this. Think about anybody in your life that you get to know. A stranger that you're learning to, uh, you're you're getting friends with and and you're, you're getting to know them. The more you get to know somebody, you, you become more aware of their mannerisms, don't you? The more you get to know somebody, you get to know more of their tendencies. And the more you get to know somebody, you become more aware of just what they're capable of in all their abilities. And the same is true with Jesus. The more we get to know him and we see his wonder and his complexity of who he is and in what he's done for us, then the more we'll start to see... Well, if you're the one providing for me, well, if, if that's who you are and you're providing for me, then I'm covered. I'm covered. So I mentioned just a moment ago that I've got uh, two young daughters at home. One of them is three years old. Her name is Liv. And um, just a couple of weekends ago, I was at home during her nap time on the weekend. And uh, before her nap, we were watching uh, Monsters University. And uh, she calls it Monsters Anniversary and uh, so we're watching this great anniversary movie and um, it came time for her nap and I take her nap time pretty serious because that's also my nap time and uh, so make sure she goes to sleep so I turned off the movie and took her into her room and laid her down and I went back and laid on the couch and about 30 minutes into her nap I hear dad 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 like on repeat she wouldn't let me get out of this you know And so I walk in there and I say, what's going on, sweetie? And she said, I think there's some monsters in my closet. I go open the closet and I go, no, there's not any monsters in here. You can go back to sleep. You're fine. I walk out and she says, dad, can can you check the top shelf? I think they might be hiding up there. So I go back in, I look and I say, Liv, there's no monsters in here. You you need to go back to sleep because I'm tired, right? Calls me back in and said, so, "Dad, I, I really think there's some monsters in my closet." I said, "Liv, listen. Maybe there are monsters in your closet, but Daddy's here, and I'm gonna protect you. You're gonna be okay. But even bigger than Daddy is Jesus, and He's always gonna protect you." So she looks back at me, and she completely bypasses Jesus, right? Like completely ignores whatever Jesus, right? We're still working on that, but. Um, <laughs> She looked back and she goes, yeah, you're a strong daddy. You're not scared of anything. And I go, that's right. That's right. You go back to sleep, right? But for my little girl, she's three years old. She's known me for all of three years. But the way she's gotten to know me as her dad, it was enough for her. For her, it was, listen, if you're the one protecting me from monsters, if you're the one protecting me from monsters, then I'm okay. Okay. I can rest in peace. Let me take my nap. Get out of my room. Right? If you're the then I'm covered. And that's this pale comparison of what's being said in this text. That's a, that's a small shadow of what's being said of Jesus. It's trying to get us to see Jesus in that way. Our knowledge of him. That if, if, he's, if you're the one providing for me, like if you're the one covering me in all of life and godliness, then, then I'm covered. Then I'm covered. This is why we've been talking about Jesus as the true and better. Because there's no one like him. All things point to him. There's no one that can hold us like Jesus. There's no one that can provide for us like Jesus. Not Adam, not Abraham, not Moses, not anything this world has to offer even comes close to what he can do for those who would trust him. There's no one like him. There's no one like him. Like so, so do you realize that God, he's the only one who can provide all the needs for his people and never, and never show any lack for having done so? You ever think about that? God is the only one who can cover all the needs of all of his people and never show any diminishing in his resources for having given away so much. Just just as an example of this, the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus is so great that he's able to pay for your sins, compensate for your unrighteousness, then make you righteous before him, all the while he never becomes any less righteous for having given away his righteousness to you to cover for your unrighteousness. He never becomes any less, he never loses any of his righteousness for having covered up so much for you. And that's just you. Expand that out now to all people in all times and all places who have trusted in him. And yet he's never diminished a single ounce in his righteousness. And so if this is the God providing for us, If this is the Savior covering me in all of life and all of godliness, then then I'm covered. And so this is why our knowledge of him is so significant. Because the more we see the wonder of who he is, the more we see the extent to which he has covered us. And so for all of our planning, for all of our strategizing, for all of our making resolutions about losing a little weight having a better body image for all of our resolutions about maybe saving more having more in the bank or, or doing a bit of traveling they're all great so far as they go but I think we would do well to recognize that those things aren't able to do for us all the things that we typically look to those things to do for us to meet all of our needs because they're not our end They can't define us. They can't hold us. They can entertain us for a while, but they can't hold us. But Jesus, our true and better, he defines us. You and I discover who we are in him so that you're not who you think you are and you're not who others think you are or think about you. You are who Christ says you are. He declares the truth about you as your maker as your Redeemer, as your Savior, you're defined in Him. He gives you security, He gives you worth. So, those things aren't coming from what you and I look at when we look in the mirror. Our security and worth doesn't come from what we see when we step on the scale, what we see when we look in the bank account. It doesn't come from boarding, boarding passes worth bragging about. It doesn't come from those things. Our security and our stability are found in Him so that He's my security. He never leaves me or forsakes me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never can be separated from me because of what he's done for me, Romans chapter 8. He's also my worth. He's, He's my worth because he saw fit to bleed out and die for my sins, resurrect from the dead, give me his spirit that I might be renewed in the image of God. He considered me worth it. He's my stay, he's my comfort, he's my joy. Psalm 16, in his presence is joy forever, the fullness of joy with pleasures forever at his right hand. He's my strength, Psalm 73, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. We could go on and on and on. He's our true and better. And so what good would it be for us? Let's just say we came back to this service one year from now. And all the resolutions we wanted to make, all the things we wanted to change, and everything that we wanted to happen, happened. But we gained no more love for Jesus in the process. You went on every trip you wanted to go on. You've got a fatter bank account. You've got a better body image. You've got all of it but you have no more love for Christ, no more obedience to him, no more holiness, would that bother you? Would it bother you to gain what the world could offer but have no more of Jesus? Would that affect you? Would it affect you to have everything you could ever want but have no more of Jesus? Would that be okay with you? See, I think there's some of you in the room today, you're ready to make some strides. There's some of you in the room that you're ready to stop playing games. You're ready to stop coming in here, hearing, preaching, worshiping, and being stirred up to love Jesus, but then having all of that lost on you by the time you get to your car. Listen, I've been there. I've totally been there. And you're ready to say, I want more of him. The cry of every disciple of Jesus ought to be, take the world, but give me Jesus, my true and better. Give me him. So as we look to 2015, may we look to the one who has no lack. May we look to the one who's holding everything together, even your every breath right now. May we look to the one who through divine Power has granted to you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of his son who's called us according to his own glory and excellence. Let's pray, Father. Father, would you help us? <laughs> Would you help us believe the word we have just read? That it's true regardless of what we feel, regardless of our doubts, regardless of our pain or suffering, though it's much at times. That you haven't left us or forsaken us. That you've really given us everything we need for life and godliness. God, would you help us to believe that? And would you help us to believe that you're really better God? Would it be a prayer that we would be willing to pray, take the world, but just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Father, give us your son. Give us more of your son. Holy Spirit, help us love your son. Would that be a prayer that we would pray? I don't know what that might cost, but Father, your word tells us it's worth it. Holy Spirit, would you grant us the gift? Father, by your Spirit, would you grant us the gift in the coming year of loving Jesus? Would you grant us the gift of being able to come to this service a year from now and be able to say, I love Jesus more. I see him. I love him. I'm I'm coming around him with my life. I want to follow him. I want to proclaim him. Holy Spirit, would you help us see the worth and the value of Jesus? We have all we need in him. Jesus, we pray these things in your strong name because you're worth it. Amen.